What Remains Inside, Chapter 15. Kevin had a friend named Tim Kelton who lived with his father in Dartmouth. Both Tim and his father were jerks, scary kind of jerks that you wouldn't want to be alone with. Several girls I knew said that Tim had forced them to have sex with him. A girl named Jill told a bunch of people that he had made her have sex with him at the beach. He held her down, and when she tried to get up, he punched her in the face. Kevin pulled the car into the Kelton's driveway. It was a quiet neighborhood, and a large oak tree stood near the driveway. The house was a three-story house with a big front porch. I followed Kevin in the darkness and noticed all the men's work shoes lined up on the porch. There were two lawn chairs and boxes and boxes of empty beer cans. When we got into the house, it was dark and quiet. It was a big old house that was rambling. It was unkept. I could see a dining table and a room to one side. Dark shadows were cast in through the curtains. A window was open and a fresh, cool smell came in from the dining room. The living room had two beat-up couches and an old wool rug. There were blankets on the couches and a coffee table was overflowing with stuff. Beer cans, pizza boxes, empty cigarette packs, papers. The house smelled dusty and like a wet dog. Kevin held my hand and looked at me. He put a finger over his mouth. As we approached the large staircase, I could see more rooms on the other side of the house. Rooms I would never see. He tiptoed up the stairs and gently led me up. There was a landing with a hallway. We walked down the hallway and I noticed three or four rooms with doors closed. He opened a bedroom door slowly, and when we got inside the room, he closed it behind us and pushed me against it. He was kissing me, and they were strong, frantic kisses. He was treating me as if I was a different person than I was. Maybe he saw someone different in me. I could feel my heart racing. My body was growing warm, but things were moving so frantically. I felt like I was gulping for air. I could feel my muscles go limp, and yet he was so frantic that I couldn't linger in the feeling. He kissed my neck and quickly unzipped my dress at the same time. I felt his hands on my back. It was cold, but it felt sexy. He felt along my back all the way down to my waist. He was leading me towards the bed, and I stepped out of my shoes and followed him. The bed was a tiny twin. For some reason, it was higher up than normal. The bed was pushed against a window. I could see that we were up really high. Maybe we had walked to the third floor instead of the second. We were up near the telephone wires, which crisscrossed just outside the window. Kevin was kissing me and pushing his body into me. Take off your dress, he whispered. Then, take off your clothes. I looked at him. He was serious. He wasn't like Ryan at all. I could feel something inside of me exploding and then becoming. It was something I hadn't felt before. I removed my tights and tossed them on the floor. I lifted my dress over my head and he removed my underpants. He got completely naked too. The streetlights outside made his skin look tanned. When I touched his back, his skin felt warm and moist. I ran my hands through his hair and kissed his neck. He was handsome and strong. His body was warm. He smelled spicy, like men's deodorant or aftershave. Quickly, he put himself inside of me. He was hard and sure of himself. He filled me completely. He thrust himself into me and breathed heavily. He braced himself with his strong arms. His muscles flexed. At first, it hurt the way he was pushing so hard. I said softly, that hurts, Kevin. He didn't say anything. Instead, he put his hands around my face. He looked at me and kissed me. And as he did, he pushed himself into me again and again. I took a deep breath and I could feel the pleasure rise inside of me. It didn't hurt anymore. And I wanted to be with him. I closed my eyes for a moment. And when I opened them again, I could see his eyes were closed. His lips opened and closed slightly as he took heavy breaths. His whole body moved with his breaths. He was still for a moment. Then he took a deep breath and then out again. 
His breathing grew faster and he let out a long, intense exhale. Then he stopped. He opened his eyes, looked into mine for a long moment, and then he kissed me again. It was such a vulnerable, desperate kiss, it made me almost feel scared. He didn't tell me I was pretty or say that he loved me. It was as if he knew that any girl would be appreciative of having sex with him because of his perfect masculinity. He lay down next to me, and when he finished, he put his arm around me. Let's go to sleep, he said, and leaned close to me and kissed me on the neck. It was a strange silence after such a storm, so much ordinary calm. I looked around the room. The room seemed left over from when Tim Kelton was a boy, before his mother left him and his dad. It was a weird, frozen-in-time childhood scene. I saw now that they were pictures of Western scenes. In the dark light, I could make out a rope picture frame with a cowboy sitting on a pony. It was childlike, old-fashioned. The bed cast dark shadows on the paneling. I noticed a tall shelf. On it were sports trophies. So many, they all seemed jammed on the shelves. A couple of horseshoes were hung on the paneled walls, turned upside down for good luck. The lamp beside the bed was a little covered wagon, and the fabric that covered it was torn in a couple of places. I looked out the window, and ice had formed around the edges. I thought of Jack Frost painting frozen scenes while Kevin and I lay in our embrace. I turned to Kevin. He was almost asleep. I didn't want to be in this foreign house with men I didn't trust. I wanted to go home. I want to go home, I whispered. He turned and looked at me sleepily. Now? He asked. Come on, let's go to sleep. It's too late and I'm drunk. I'll take you to breakfast tomorrow. We can hang out. Then I'll take you home. I was certain I didn't want to be in this house with Tim and his father. I didn't want to slink down the stairs with Kevin. I didn't want to talk to them in the morning. Please, I said. I really want to go. I got out of bed and started putting my clothes back on. I couldn't figure out my tights in the dark, so I just stuck them in my pocketbook. Somehow, I managed to zip my dress. Kevin didn't say anything as we drove back. He kept rubbing his eyes and smoothing his hair back on top of his head with one hand. He didn't look at me either, but I looked at him for a long time. He didn't turn the radio on, so we just drove through the dark streets in silence. I watched him closely. He was someone to want. He had a perfectly muscular body. His face was gorgeous, and I had touched him, and he had been inside of me. I stared at him as he drove. I could see his jaw clench as he turned a corner. I saw the muscles in his forearm flex as he shifted. He was completely handsome. I turned sideways in my seat and watched him as he drove. I could still feel him inside of me. I could feel his cool hand on my back. I could picture his face while we had sex and his desperate kiss, his eyes asking me for something. He pulled onto my street and stopped the car in front of my house. Finally, he looked at me. He smiled. All right, well, I didn't say anything. I was expecting him to kiss me. He looked at me for a minute and kind of smiled. What? he asked. Aren't you going to kiss me goodbye? I asked. He waited a long time, just staring at me, half smiling. Finally, he shook his head and started to lean into me, still shaking his head in disbelief. Isn't it enough that I saved you from Ryan Todd? he whispered. Now you want me to kiss you goodbye? He kept his lips inches from mine and waited. I felt a rush of desire pour through me. I gave into it and brought my lips closer to his. Suddenly, I heard banging on the car window. At first, it was a pounding on his window. I pulled away from him with a start, and when I looked behind Kevin through his window, I saw a large looming figure. I almost screamed, but when I turned, I realized that it was my mother, drunk, coming around to the front of the car. 
When she got to my side, she pulled hard on the handle and opened my door. Kevin leaned towards the open car door and put on a nice boy smile. Hello, Mrs. When the door swung open, I could see she was just in the top of her blue silk pajamas. The shirt that hung just over her hips was showing her nylon underpants underneath. Her cleavage was exposed and she was swaying back and forth. Get the fuck out of the car, Donna, she yelled. I'm sorry, I said, and ran out of the car. Kevin pulled the passenger door closed and tried putting his truck into drive. The transmission squealed, the car bucked and stalled. As he started it up again, my mother reached for me, raised her hand to hit me in the face. I put my hand out in front of my face to protect myself. When I did, I accidentally pushed her arm. You fucking whore! You hit me! She screamed and grabbed me by the hair. Kevin put the car into gear and drove off. My mother pushed me to the ground and hit me on the face. How dare you hit me, she screamed and reached for me again. I tried to run towards the house, but I was cornered between her and the log fence. I don't know how long she had been out in front of the house or what had transpired before I got home, but one of the neighbors must have already called the police because I heard sirens and a police car pulled up in front of the house. Two officers got out of the car and pointed flashlights towards my mother. The beams of light moved in shaky movements as they approached her. My mother released me and turned towards the officers. You fucking pigs, she shouted. Get the fuck off my property. When she said property, she screamed it loud and long and started stamping her feet. I'll have fucking, fucking, but she couldn't fix her sentence. You'll have fucking arrested for trespassing. Please calm down and lower your voice, one of the cops said. You goddamn fucking pig shit. She lunged towards the cop again. Now, ma'am. You need to calm down or we're going to have to take you in. He was walking slowly, talking to her in a calm tone. His hands were out in front of him, held up as if to say, see, I'm not hiding anything. The other police officer walked closer to me and looked at me. I didn't recognize him, but he recognized me. He was from New Bedford High School, but had graduated several years ago. Is this your mother, Donna? He asked. Who are you? Mac Levine from the Bedford High. I'm a cop now, he said. He still looked like a high school kid. In a way, he was apologizing for being an adult, for betraying his youth. He was explaining to me that he was in between and trying to become what he appeared to be. He didn't want me to hold it against him. When I looked up at him again, his uniform seemed a little big for him. His police hat looked awkward. Oh, I said, yeah, she's my mother. My mother lunged for the other cop and grabbed his sleeve. Finally, he grabbed her and put one of her arms behind her back. He pushed her towards the car and put handcuffs on her. My fucking hands, she yelled, Donna. They're beating the shit out of me. Mark looked at me again and said, I'm sorry, we got to take your mother in. It's okay, I said, because I didn't know what else to say. They pushed my mother into the back seat. She was calling them fucking whoremongers. Then she started screaming in despair. Donna, Donna. They closed the door and her voice was suddenly almost inaudible. I could see her face in the glass, pained, screaming. I could make out the words, Donna, Donna, as she mouthed them at me through the window. The police car pulled away from the curb, and for a moment I stood in the pulsating blue and white police lights that grew dimmer as the car turned down Holly Tree Lane. I stood in the dark silence and realized that the sun was coming up.